Welcome to Straight Talk with NDFB. This is your host, Emery Melhoff. The legislative body is now reconvening after their crossover break as the Senate bills go over to the House and the House bills go over to the Senate. Each bill will go through the hearing process again. In today's episode, I visit with Representative Craig Headland from District 29. Representative Headland is a farmer and former rancher who sits as chairman of the House Tax and Finance Committee. Representative Headland visits with me about sales tax, property tax, and his thoughts on the purpose of taxation. Join us for this episode. Welcome, Representative Headland from District 29. So Representative Craig Headland has been a champion for the North Dakota Farm Bureau for several years now. He is the chairman of the House Taxation Committee. Can you tell us about how long you've been in the House and a little bit about how you came to be the chair of the House Taxation Committee? Yeah, well, I was first elected in 2003. I I served that session 57th, I believe. And I ended up on the Finance and Tax Committee. It wasn't my first choice by any means, but I ended up there and I enjoyed it so much that I'm still there. I I haven't moved. I've, I've spent my entire career on the Finance and Tax Committee. Well, we're really fortunate as the North Dakota Farm Bureau to have you there as you have been a lifelong grain farmer. Uh, is that correct? I have. I, I did have a, a cow-calf operation uh, prior to getting elected, but I had to make a decision back then. I could not figure out a way that I was going to feed cattle and, and be in the legislature. So at that time, <laughs> I opted to move on from cattle and as much as I enjoyed having them, I realized how much work they really were. And I came to realize how much I was able to enjoy some of those summer activities that a lot of my friends enjoyed, like golfing and fishing, uh, instead of having to make hay every possible free moment I had. So And so, uh, yeah, until we figure out the whole uh, being two places at once physics problem, it's a... <laughs> I think that happens a lot, you know, when you get elected. And but you still grain farm, is that correct? I, I do. I raise corn and soybeans, and I'm uh, my daughter is going to start farming with me this awesome. year. Awesome. Uh, you know, she's helped me uh, in the past, uh, essentially her whole time of growing up, and then. But she's got her uh, job, her career now. But she was able to rent some land, so we're bringing her in, and we'll see how things all go as I, uh, you know, get closer to retirement. That's really exciting. Yeah, it's gone well. Let's dive a little bit into the things going on in the Tax and Finance Committee. But first, we as a state of North Dakota and the the state of North Dakota government obviously has financial responsibilities. Um, So maybe we can start out by talking about, you know, what the purpose of taxation is. A lot of people don't like taxation like you hear a lot taxation is theft but maybe we can we can start out by talking about the purpose of taxation and and you know why it's important well you know first of all if you believe that you need some type of government to offer you know individuals protection and things like infrastructure just things that we need every day in our daily lives that we probably 
individually can't provide for ourselves. You need some form of government. And, and in order for government to operate, it needs to have some revenue. And, and that's where taxation comes into play. And I agree, nobody likes taxation. But it is one of those necessary evils that we need as a government to provide the services that are demanded and requested by individual citizens. So how do we determine then as a state which taxes are good and and which are bad? Like how do we find the the fair way to apply that? Yeah, it's probably a matter of individual opinion. But, you know, Republicans tend to believe that a general taxation that applies to everybody is probably better. I think Democrats traditionally have believed that the more you receive in in wealth, the more you should pay. So a little different uh, philosophical beliefs there, but you know that's kind of the way it's always been. So you know Republicans uh, probably would favor uh, things like sales taxes and things like that over income taxes, which uh, income taxes tend to penalize, you know, wealth and achievement. So, you know, we, or I myself as a Republican, believe that income taxes is probably the the worst tax that we have as a state government. And uh, I've been trying to whittle the rates down my whole legislative career. And eventually I'd like to get to a zero rate where nobody has any individual income tax obligation. You know, that is really interesting if you think about just the difficulty in in finding a strong workforce right now, to think about the fact that an income tax is really penalizing those who are willing to work. It does. And, that, and again, that's why I favor getting that rate down to zero. It does penalize work and achievement. And, and uh, you know, in a state that is so in need of workforce, uh, we believe that it's going to help us attract individuals to move to our state and come and help us with our workforce challenges. So you have a bill along with other House and Senate sponsors. You know, you said that you've every session had a bill that's kind of that's whittled down the income tax. Um, But tell us about the bill that you have right now addressing income tax in North Dakota. Well, right now I've sponsored a bill, House Bill 1158, that has passed the House uh, with a large majority, 79 votes, I think, for the passage. Uh, it's a bill that would take us, it would modernize our, our income tax, going from uh, five marginal rates to essentially one rate of one and a half percent. It would actually have a zero bracket and then a one and a half percent bracket. So it's not a true flat tax, but uh, when the bracket up front is at a zero rate, we we tend to call it a flat tax. So how it is now, you said, is five different brackets, and that's based on income. And now we're... Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was uh, just going to say our current brackets uh, range from uh, 1.1% to 29 There's <laughs> five brackets there. It's really kind of unnecessary to have that many brackets in such a narrow range of, of tax. So... You know, we believe by modernizing our tax, going to a flat tax, doing it in a way that, in a way that uh, no one receives the tax increase from the reductions uh, is a good way to do it. And that's what we've achieved with this bill. We have a, a pretty significant surplus 
going into this session. General fund revenues have been running, I believe, about 24% higher than projection. Uh, that's uh, significant overtaxation. And achieve that by growing your economy. So, you know, North Dakota's economy is really growing and it's only being held back because of our lack of workforce. We could be growing even faster hmm. than we are. But when uh, in times of excess, you know, we believe that giving back to the taxpayer is is proper and uh, necessary. Uh, it, it keeps you from growing government, which is a, another real factor in consideration uh, when you're considering lowering, uh, lowering your taxes. So I, I think it's a win-win all around. It's a win for those who have chosen to live and work in North Dakota, and it also going to be a win in trying to fill some of those unfilled jobs that are so necessary to keep our economy growing. How much money are we talking about here? Well, the uh, the revenue reduction in the bill, the fiscal note is five hundred sixty six million. Wow! Now the income tax today is generating. Uh, I think it's about it's going to be about one point one billion. Uh, over the biennium. So this would be a significant reduction in income tax collections. When you pay income tax, North Dakota's rate, like you had mentioned, is already so small in comparison with definitely our state to the east, Minnesota. So some of that income tax relief initially might seem small, but when you think about the significant pushback to the people of you're talking close to billion dollars, that's a billion dollars in the pockets of North Dakotans to do something with, to grow, like you said, to grow the economy, to put it to work. And that's going to grow businesses and homes in North Dakota and not going to grow government. And that's awesome. Well, that that's correct, Emery. Uh, when we allow the citizens the taxpayers to keep that amount of money, you know, that money is going to eventually run through our economy and it's going to generate sales taxes. It's going to uh, generate probably increased in motor vehicle excise taxes and other taxes uh, all around. So it's not like you're completely losing 100% of that revenue. And we've seen that in, in some uh, model software running that does provide a positive revenue picture for North Dakota. It doesn't it really cost 100% of what that $566 million fiscal note says. It's it's something around 90% of that over time. Hmm. Yeah, it really gives the earner of that the opportunity to choose where they put it. Well, and you know, as you know, a lot of, and I would say the bulk of our small businesses in North Dakota uh, file through some type of pass-through, whether it be a LLP or a limited liability corporation or however, and they you know, will also benefit from the reduction in the individual income tax. I want to touch on property tax too here, um, because that is that is something that we hear a lot about. You know, as farmers and ranchers, we obviously pay a significant portion of the state's property tax. Um, so I, I want to just touch on that and see if you can give us an overview of where property tax is at the state and any changes that, that might be coming through the session. Well, uh, there are two bills that are coming over from the Senate. Uh, one of them is to buy down an additional 20 mills in, through education funding. You know, that comes with about a 200 and 
$200 plus million dollar, uh, cost. The state doesn't levy property taxes, so in order for us to relieve those burdens, the state has to write checks. So uh, essentially what you're doing is you're taking general fund revenues and uh, applying them towards the education formula in this case, and then taking away that ability for those school districts to levy that 20 mils. And that's how the property tax relief is provided. And we've been doing that for some time, uh, actually, I think we've spent over $7 billion now in property tax relief. And the trouble is that we haven't figured out a way for those those property taxpayers to essentially continue to receive the benefit of those as taxable valuation increases annually uh, because of inflationary uh, things. You know, it eats away at the relief the state provides. So in doing that, the cost likely increases for the state every biennium also as as those uh, inflationary factors increase costs, uh, increase the value of a mail through uh, taxable value. You also have a bill relating to transparency in, in property tax. Well, I did have a bill and, you know, it was going to change the statement and try to provide more information to a property taxpayer in a way that clarifies how much as a percentage of of your total property tax bill, you know, is applied to each taxing district that's on your statement. And we just ran into a lot of difficulty challenges. And uh, there was a lot of pushback from uh, county auditors and, and uh, association of counties. So what we uh, decided to do in collaboration with the tax department is we're going to sit down during the interim if the bill passes and it did pass the house unanimously sit down in the interim and see if we could come to agreement on uh, a statewide uh, standardized property tax statement and and then uh, we're going to try to gather information by standardizing the chart of accounts that a county uses to record their revenues and their their monies in a way that when we bring it together uh, that it'll be like an apples to apples uh, counting in instead of uh, apples and oranges it's uh it's a little more challenging than i anticipated but uh, we're gonna get there we also uh, we're gonna hear a new bill that was just introduced it's a constitutional amendment that essentially will eliminate property taxes. We're going to hear that when we get back to the House in a hearing on Wednesday morning. And I'm interested to find out from the bill sponsor how he intends on funding. You know, that it be a challenging, challenging thing to pass, I think, you know, committing the state to. I don't remember the exact number, but I'm thinking it's somewhere between one and a half and $1.8 billion annually of property tax collected. And if the state was going to somehow pick up that cost of every taxing district, I'm interested to hear how he, the bill sponsor intends on funding that. Hmm. Because I I don't see it being sustainable in any way. Yeah, it is interesting to think about just the, you know, I mean, you hear out in the countryside, that property taxation is, is one of the worst types of taxation because it put a put a penalty on owning property and and obviously property taxes are probably one of the least popular taxation well I, I 
I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's a, it's a tax that people really, I think, dislike the most. But I would say I'm not sure uh, if they equate it to what it's going to pay for. If they're willing to do without some of those uh, services that we're supposed to receive from paying the property tax. And then the general funding of education, uh, which has been traditionally paid for locally with property tax. I, I, I get why people don't like to pay it, but I wonder if it's not more because they have to write a, a check every end of the year or year end or, you know, in by early February. It's a little different than people paying their other taxes like sales tax with every transaction, income tax, you know, it, you may pay quarterly or if you're working for a company, it's uh, deducted from your check. And yeah. so you don't actually have to physically write that check. And I think it's the amount and, you know, the fact that some people don't plan, you know, we're all uh, human beings and sometimes uh, things are just a little harder when you actually have to sit down and, and, and write a significant check. So I get it. I get why people are frustrated with it. Yeah. yeah. It is interesting to look at too, what maybe having an honest conversation amongst the, the constituents and, and local communities to saying, okay, what are we getting for our property tax? What are, what are we paying into here? And that's, that's why I like the interim conversation that you guys are going to have just looking at, you know, as a good as a good starting point. Okay, how do we help the citizens know what their tax bill is, know what the county is spending, and then know, you know, for people who own land in multiple counties, especially farmers who sit on county lines, you know, be able to look at all those statements and and know where their money is going. Um, right. I think is a really good conversation, and I, I'm really, really glad that legislation has has sparked that. How do we be a transparent state, and how do we help our subdivisions be as transparent as they can with what they're doing with their residents' money? Right. You know, I wanted to even take it as far as uh, it, the statement being able to show how much of that tax burden, you know, was voted on by the taxpayer themselves. We all tend to want to be as supportive as we can, like for education. And, you know, so we, when there's a a bond referendum for an addition to a school or to build a new school, you know, a lot of people tend to support those kind of things and maybe not realizing that that's going to be part of their property tax burden for a significant amount of time moving forward. And, you know, I thought it would be interesting to be able to show each taxpayer on each parcel how much has actually been voted on by them. And and I think we've seen it across the state when people are challenged with, you know, mill levy increases uh, for certain projects or roads or uh, school districts or, you know, various things that local governments provide, they tend to support the ideas behind them. And, uh, you know, that does add to the burden of property taxes. So it's all about understanding what your money is going for. So I I think that's why the bill was important. Uh, I wished we could have gotten to some type of an agreement that we could have 
maybe made those changes sooner rather than later. But it's a big issue and it needs significant study. And we need to make sure that when we do it, we do it right and properly. You know, people say, oh, you turn it into a study and it dies. And that's just not true. Like you see so many of these legislative studies wind up with substantial bills on the other side of them that are put before the body to consider like, hey, this is the work that we did. Look at what we came to an agreement to. So it really is an opportunity to iron out some differences in the in, in the two years in between and, and come to a consensus. It, it is. And, you know, this one is going to be uh, handled a little differently than, you know, most legislative studies. Uh, it's going to be handled through the tax department, and it's going to consist of, well, the tax uh, commissioner, the state supervisor of assessments, local auditors, and others. And it won't be necessarily a legislative committee. I think it, there's a couple of legislators named on it to sit on it so they can bring that to the the perspective and the outcome to the legislature. But uh, it's really going to be made up. And it's not really traditional legislative interim committee. It's more of a task force kind of set up similarly to what the governor set up years ago uh, when we went through uh, mill levy consolidation. I'm looking forward to seeing or to, to reading the results of that study. And just thank you again for the work that you're doing in the uh, as, as a chairman and as a farmer representing your industry in the in the legislature. And we really did just touch on tax and finance issues, but you really have been influential in, in a lot of different bills this session to benefit production agriculture and, and our farmers and ranchers out there. So thanks again, Representative Headland, for your time today and enjoy getting back to work on Wednesday. Well, thank you, Emery. Uh, I appreciate Farm Bureau and what they do and what they provide their membership and always happy uh, to work with uh, Pete and, and those of you who are at the Capitol. You know, we all have the same goals, right? We want to provide the best uh, that we can for the citizens, your membership, and that's what we work to achieve. So thank you again. You've been listening to Straight Talk with NDFB. To learn more about the bills that NDFB is tracking during the legislative session, visit ndfb.org and subscribe to our legislative front and action alerts. NDFB is hard at work representing NDFB policy at the North Dakota Capitol. If you have any questions about legislation, feel free to contact our lobbying team at ndfb.org. <laughs>